Welcome to From the Shed End, episode 77. With myself, T-Dart and Theo, how you doing? Like I'm getting used to saying on this podcast, Chelsea aside, I'm doing good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, the usual, I mean, we're going to get on to, to Chelsea, but it's becoming the usual, it's becoming the common theme. Um, Chelsea ruining the weekends again. The World Cup is non-existent. We're back to from familiar sort of territory in terms of that but um, before we get into all the stuff that we usually get into on the episode please go and subscribe to the youtube channel uh, also spotify and apple Podcasts as well for any podcast that you want to go back and listen to maybe some of the, the happier times as a chelsea fan you know the night in porto they're all on there so make sure you go and check those out as well and also if you hit the link tree link in the description it will take you straight to the social accounts as well so let's get straight into it for you let's get <laughs> where do we start let's let's try and start on the game i mean i did as i said i've done a video earlier on this morning i didn't really talk about the game just had a real mad rant about just everything that seems to be going wrong at chelsea but i don't know if you want to summarize or just give your your views on the game and how it went and um, yeah what were your thoughts oh i'll start off with what i thought was positive not just the game but just the kind of the man city versus chelsea fixture as a whole but um I thought the away fans were brilliant. They were really vocal, really classy. And, you know, they did, they played their part supporting the team and they really were the 12th man there despite the result and the performance of the players. I thought the second positive was the tribute to Gianluca Vialli. I think that was brilliant. Um, you know, the ninth minute singing his name and also the the number nine on the back of the players' warm-up shirts. That was a really nice gesture and a really classy tribute as well. Um, maybe a third positive I can think of is Lewis Hall and um, Bashir Humphreys. I thought they they looked good, particularly you know throwing in Bashir Humphreys into his his Chelsea debut, his senior debut in a fixture against Man City is never going to be easy. And he didn't look too out of place. I want to say it was a very tricky game for him, but he didn't look too out of place. And I thought there were there were a lot of positives from his performance. Now let's talk about the actual game in itself because I thought it was probably one of the most embarrassing fixtures of the season. I think it really was. It just, I think like you said on WhatsApp, you go 1-0 down in what was an avoidable tackle. Um, but as soon as Mahrez is in that angle from, you know, the free kick, you know he's going to put it on target. And I don't think that's much Kepa could do. The second goal, the penalty, it was just clumsy from Havertz. It was just really clumsy. You can tell it's a striker trying to defend that ball. He just doesn't even know where he's, he's closing his eyes. He's not looking at the ball. He's just throwing his arms up. And it was a silly um, free um, penalty to give away. Um, again, Kepa, unlucky not to, to save that one because uh, he got a hand to it and, you know, he seemed to psych the opponent up. But but then this is what really frustrated me. You go 2-0 down, you expect a reaction. You expect a bit of something from the players. And this is what you told me on WhatsApp, which was very, very accurate and true. There was no fight, nothing from the players after going 2-0 down. You could just tell that we weren't looking like we were going to score. And if anything, Man City were going to get a further fourth and maybe even a fifth. It just didn't really look like we were going to ever score. And how can you score when you don't even have a shot on target? I don't think we had a single shot on target in that first half. And the only shot I can think of in the second half was the deflected Mason Mount effort, which went out for a corner. And then I saw, it's just it's shocking. And then I saw a heat map of how, how often we touched a ball around the pitch. It was just so focused around Kepper and the centre-backs and the, the, the wing-backs. But or the the fullbacks, not once was there kind of a you know a, a marked red zone around the midfield area of the opponent's half of the pitch, which goes to show that we can't drive the ball up the pitch with our 
with our midfielders. And there's just no way that we look like we're ever even penetrate into the opponent's box. I think there was a moment the players were on the edge of the city box, and then all of a sudden a ball ends up back with Kepa or Chiloba, uh, Humphreys, and and Kulabali. How do you expect us to score goals if we're just going to have all this possession? I know that's how Potter wants to play with a lot of the ball, but we're doing nothing with the ball, absolutely nothing. It was just, it was shocking to see. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't think in years I've watched a first half as bad. I know mm. Leeds, Leeds United was bad, but I can't remember. I, I, I watched that game yesterday and if someone asked me what the game plan was, what, what was our intentions going into? I just, I don't know if the players just don't get the messages from Potter or whoever's delivering, you know, I've heard that Potter's not really involved in training and he's, you know, he's, he's there, but he's not. It's the other, the coaches around him that are doing and taking the day-to-day training. If that's true, then it kind of shows, because if he's there and he's he's not there on the day-to-day, that will resonate with the players. When he when he gets into that dressing room and they try, he's trying to give a team talk, they're probably not even listening to him. The way they play, it's like they don't listen to the manager. Whatever they're, whatever they're told on a day-by-day training ground you know, at Cobham, they go on the pitch and it's almost like, it's like they just don't have a plan. There was no plan. There was no plan of attack. There was no transitions of the ball. There was nothing. We weren't even trying to work the spaces. I mean, at times, you know, City were leaving space behind them to run into. There was nothing. It was nothing whatsoever. And... This is probably, and I get what people are saying, and I, I, I'm I'm sort of just still at that sort of I'm on the ceiling moment right now. So I'm just talking, and it's just coming out. But there's no, this is nothing from the players. There's nothing from mm. Potter. I mean, I've been at games. You've been at games. Potter's just sat down, or he's just stood there. There's no, there's no animate, and you don't have to be an animated manager. You don't have to be the Mikel Arteta. You know walking halfway down the pitch screaming at people you don't have to do that but show something or you know trust the process is what i keep hearing but there's no process to trust at the moment there's no plan there's nothing i i don't see how this team and yes there's injuries there's there's factor in that as well but are we really saying you know just all those in i mean some some of the players that have been spoken about are the players that people are telling me need to leave the club that are injured, so I just mm. don't, I don't see where we come, we can, we can go from, from here. In my opinion, I thought the game. I t- sorry to touch on some of your points, mm. but you know, Humphreys looked really good. I thought he was a good, solid performance from him. You know, Lewis Hall, I felt sorry for because he's, he's on that left side, and there was no help for him. He's got, he had, uh, I think it was Mares. He had, um, Carl Walker to cope with on his own. He was exposed. He should not have been exp- that exposed. And, you know, I'm more for Lewis Hall starting, but it's unfair on him to expect him to play against the two players that he had to come up against, against Man City. So I just think it's poor. Um, I think it's poor. You know, it's... I don't know, man. Yeah, stick Potter in the shed. Um, yeah, I, I mean, talk to me about Graham Potter because... He did change things at half time in that game. You know, he took he took off Kovacic and it shows how much I was paying attention by half time. But he took off two players of Kovacic and Havertz yeah. at half time. Didn't really change anything, but it's just I mean, 
I'm going to ask the obvious question here, but does does Potter have the right to 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 still have the fans backing? I mean, the fans were calling for Thomas Tuchel yesterday, chanting for Roman Abramovich. I don't necessarily agree with that because no. you know you back the manager that's in charge, and you know you got to give him time. Is what I'm being told. But how? What? What has Potter, Graham Potter? I mean, this is the team that Graham Potter should be able to at least get. You know, the team can't string two passes together. Should be doing that at least bare minimum. We should be getting shots on target. Is this Graham Potter? Is it the player players that have sort of down tools already, mentally checked out? What, what do you think happens with the way that Graham Potter started, as opposed to what's happened now? I mean, was it one win in eight now, seven? I think it's one win in ten domestic fixtures. Um, the win against the uh, Bournemouth, and then you have to go back to I think Aston Villa mid October time for our last domestic victory. Um, listen, first thing I want to say is I'm fed up of seeing Chelsea fans post about Tuchel on Twitter, on Instagram, on chanting his name, this, because that's the past and we need to forget about the past and focus on the present. Like chanting Tuchel's name and posting a picture of him holding the Champions League trophy is not going to, you know, make performances any better. And what will make performances better is if we just kind of focus on what we can do to make, as Chelsea fans or kind of players that we can look into that can make this current um, squad uh, better. Um... But I do agree with you. Um, I want to back Potter. I want to give him a full season to kind of implement his, you know, his style of play, his system. But there's just nothing there that's showing me that, you know, it's to back the process or to stay optimistic. And like you said, we can't even put two passes together. Every single player seems to lose the ball, whether it's Jorginho, Koulibaly. Um, I do want to give him the, ben the benefit of the doubt and say a lot of injuries um, have played a part. You looked at the 60 minutes we had with Reese James against Bournemouth and all of a sudden we didn't, it almost looked like we knew how to play football again. But um, but then again, we can't be relying on a single player. Um, and that's kind of the board's fault to not give him the backup options in the summer. We knew as Pilaqueta, you know, he doesn't, he looks weak on the overlap. He gets caught out of possession easily. Um, the board decided to give him a new contract when the option for him to leave, you know, as a hero and go to Barcelona was there in the summer. And I'll always have Azpilicueta as a legend for Chelsea. But when I see him play now, he's just groans every time he gets run past, whether it's Kyle Walker or someone else. And he just doesn't look like the Azpilicueta we used to love. And we, you know, we've grown to adore as Chelsea fans. Um, I've been reading that we, we could be linked for, I think, 15 million for this Croatian right back, which we mentioned on the previous episode. That's an option. But it just seems like every time we have problems, we kind of, you know, the solution seems to be buy a player to fix it. We need to stop doing that because clearly, you know, a lot of the players we signed in the summer haven't fixed our problems, whether that be Cucurella, Obama, Yang, Sterling. If anything, we've just gone worse. But I say we've gone worse, but I genuinely think if it's Potter or Tuchel in the dugout on, on Sunday, maybe Tuchel loses 3-0 and Potter loses 4-0. It's very, it's a marginal, it's a marginal difference. But Tuchel is not doing much better of the current squad he has and the current, you know, crop of players. And until I see these group of players, you know, playing for the badge like Gianluca Vialli would have, and I've seen a lot of players, you know, talk about how Gianluca, uh, fans talk about how Vialli would have been disgusted by that performance. And I think Frank Leboeuf said something similar, criticising the likes of Mount, Jorginho and those players. Until I see these players actually, you know, show some hunger and some passion and actually play for the badge, then I don't think we'll be picking up any points anytime soon. So the players need a real good shake-up, but Potter's got to kind of, like you said, tactically, he needs to do something on the training ground or motivate them at half-time or be a bit more animated in a dugout. But until that happens, I just don't see any kind of reason to be optimistic and trust this process right now. And I think, you know, a lot of Chelsea fans, just a quick comment there from the sports capital, you know, just give until the summer window, 
you know, I've always, I've always said I want to give him two summer windows. I want, I want to see what he can do in the, the, that process. But <coughs> excuse me, but to, <coughs> to get to that point, you've got to do something now. You've got to show me something now that you are the man to do that. He isn't doing it. There's nothing that. I mean, the post is Ollie. He reminds me so much of Ollie. I said it in the video I done this morning. There's nothing from. I mean, Potter fifteenth and sixteenth with Brighton. And I think he got a top 10 finish, 51 points. Is that really the blueprint we want to be following? I get the the team that he, he had attacking football. He had the brilliant you know, team with Trossard and Pascal Gross and Lewis Dunk was brilliant for him. And you know they didn't have a striker. So there's the same problem he had at Brighton. He's now got at Chelsea anyway, because they could score goals. That was one of the things that Brighton struggled with goals. I just think of all the blueprints you wanted to sort of follow, and this is, I'm talking Todd Bowley and, Whoever else has come in, you know, you've got Man City's model. You know, people saying, "Look at Arteta." To me, Arteta's model's mature, uh, not mature enough to even follow yet. We don't know if they're going to win the league. They could bottle the league and end up third or fourth. So, good model, but let's see it through first before we start clapping it and raving about Arteta's model. But you look at Liverpool's model worked for a couple of seasons. Just they just didn't maintain it because they haven't got the recruitment in midfielders and you know selling Mane and. He could come off with Diaz and it could come off with Nunes, but Brighton's model's not one that strikes me as brilliant. You know, they've done all right under Chris Houghton. It's not a model I think is really that good to 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 get rid of Petacet, to get rid of Mina Granaskaya, to get rid of Bruce Buck immediately, not to leave them in, in charge temporarily for a period of time, which is what you would tend to do if you was coming in something new. You wouldn't get rid of all your staff and then bring in apprentices or bring in new people and say, right, you need to make sure you can get this done straight away. That just, that doesn't work. So the recruitment, I mean, we spent 360 million already and I'm, I'm still hearing people say to me, we've got to bring in players. Mm. Just spent 360 million since Bowley took charge. He's only been here. He hasn't been here a year. It's, uh, it's worrying. I, I get that players need to leave. I'm, you know, there's talk about Mason Mount getting a new contract. I'm going to be honest. I don't think Mason Mount is Chelsea level. Uh, he's a Cobham graduate I, I love him but he's not the level that we need because he's not you know we talk about Cobham's finest Reese James Cobham finest uh, when he's when he's fit Mason Mount I don't uh, if you ask me what's his best attribute I couldn't tell you I don't, what, what does he do Kai Havertz what, do, what does Kai Havertz actually do Jorginho I mean how is he still getting games how can he get a game above you know and uh, I'm lost for words. I really am. I don't understand how, and I, I like Jorginho. I think he's brilliant. You know, he's been a brilliant player for us in the app, but they're not consistent. And we've always said this team needs consistency. It needs quality, quality and depth, and it needs consistency. And it hasn't got either of those things at the moment. You know, who's our best player? Thiago Silva, nearly 39 years of age. Who, who else is, who, who else could be put in a top five of best Chelsea players this season? There isn't many. I don't think who else could be put in there. There isn't anyone. I'd honestly put Kante simply for his first half against Tottenham. And then Reese James for, you know, the goals he contributed and the assists. But Kante's been injured since August. Reese James has probably only played about eight or nine games. And they're considered in our top three players, which goes to show how poor the rest of the squad and how inconsistent the rest of the squad is. I think the big word is inconsistency. I do think Mason Mount's good, but... He's inconsistent. He has a good good game against Bournemouth, then disappears for the next, you know, five or six. 
then scores again, you know, once in a blue moon. And then, but like you said, I don't know what his best attribute is because he's not a goal scorer. He, he doesn't particularly provide us with goals. I think he's only got three goals this season. He doesn't create goals either. Um, I just don't What's think we what does he do? <laughs> have we, we don't have that goal scoring and create a midfielder that we've, we've had, you know, we had Fabregas and before Fabregas, we had Juan Mata. Before Juan Mata, we had Frank Lampard. We don't have that anymore. We genuinely don't have yeah. that anymore. We just have these midfielders that just seem content passing the ball amongst themselves in midfield, sideways, backwards, and setting the tempo, which is good. You know, that's fine. But like, until you get us that midfielder that's actually going to provide us with goals, and that's not Mount, that's not Gallagher. They've got three goals and one goal each this season. It's just not good enough. It's not good enough. We need that consistency. We need that, you know, we, we our recruitment policy has been poor. We haven't replaced Diego Costa. We haven't replaced Diego Costa since 20... 2017 we haven't replaced replaced Fabregas since 2019 I don't know exactly what you said what's the blueprint with this kind of new bowly takeover what is the blueprint is it just this player is good let's buy him but will he fit in has he spoken to Potter does Potter actually want that player has Potter even given his feedback to Bowley about the you know this player I don't know and even if Potter does give his feedback you look at Cucurella Oh god! And this is I just I, about I, to get onto. I was just about to get onto Cucurello because he, did, he didn't even play. Uh, he didn't even play yesterday. But we could we could talk know, about him. I know. Know. It's just, oh. But this is the this is my problem, and I think you know, I'm hearing, and I agree with everyone. What everyone's saying, we need to bring players in. But this isn't FIFA. This is not Football Manager. You can't just spend three hundred and sixty million and then expect the owner to spend another three hundred and sixty million. So you have to use the money wisely, and. We're looking at this team. Clearly, it means fresh blood. It means new players. We've brought some of those in. You know, I like Carney Chocomeco, who I thought potentially should have started yesterday's game, but mm. another day, another story. Amari Hutchinson, we got, I think, on a free or for some sort of no, you know, cost to, to Arsenal. But there's players that we can bring into the team. But if we're talking about trying to sustain top four and sustain being in, you know, the first time in 34 years, we're out of both domestic cups in 34 years some of this has to go on pot i'm sorry this is some people will say that it's hush because he's only been in the job short term um you know he's inherited a squad he's not inherited wigan he's inherited chelsea it's a club that is still got some good players in it let's have it right color not a, he's not tight as bramble you know there are some good players in that team and you know, I'm hearing it. I feel sorry for. I do feel sorry for Potter, but he's under pressure. He's in a big job. This isn't Brighton. You're in a big. You're in a top club now. So the the magnifying is on you every single day. Not like you can't lose to Man City four nil and just hide your hands behind your back and go, well, you know, we tried. It doesn't work because it's the manner in which we're losing. We're not just losing games four nil because we tried. We gave it an effort. Well done, lads. City took pity on us in the second half because they could have gone six or seven up. And that's the worry. It's not how we, we lose the games. So it's not that we're losing games. It's how we lose the games. That's the worry. And part of a five-year deal. So my other question to you is, is he going anywhere? Is, is he, you know, how, how, how long does everyone tell me we've got to trust him and, and he's, he's the man for the job? You know, if we're talking two summers, that's two years into a contract. Some of these players are getting seven-year deals. If they sack him and bring in a new manager, the new manager looks at Fafana or he looks at if we, you know, we sign Dennis Zakharov, we sign, you know, Carney Chukwemeka. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not keen on them. 
they're on seven year deals. So we were, we were back at square one. Baba Rahman, back at Yoko. <laughs> we're back there because we're on these, Barkley, we're on these big deals. They're going to be taking a wage. Now Mason Mount, who's meant to be getting 300 grand a week soon. If he signs a new deal, where does he, who's, who's going to take him for 300 grand a week? He's on a new deal. So he's here for another six, seven years. It's just, it just doesn't work in FIFA world. This is not FIFA or football manager where you can just say, right, I need to get rid of Mason Mount. He goes, all right, I need to get rid of, clubs have got to want him. <laughs> who's taking Mason out when he's on 300 grand a week? No one. So he's staying at the club. So I think we need a manager that's able to manage this squad. Not, yes, we need new players, but we need to manage the squad we've got now. If you can't do that, then we're in trouble. A lot of trouble, in my opinion. But yeah, so I'm just ranting. This is a rant, yeah. ranting episode. But I just feel that we've, we've, we've set ourselves up to fail, not just with Potter, but how Bowley's handled, Todd Bowley's handled certain situations, giving him a five-year deal. Could he not have just offered maybe a, a you know an A team with the op- option to extend? I think Tuchel has something similar. Frank Lampard had quite a short-term contract on him. There was an option to extend, I think, as well. Would that not have made more sense? Really locking someone down for five years that's not really had a, a club at the top level, not really played in the Champions League, hasn't won any domestic stuff. It seems a bit, trust the process, I'll do it. But when shit hits the fan, I just want everyone to know that we could be out of the top four for a very long time in a couple of seasons, you know. So it's, it's a tough one. But give me your assessment on Potter. Sorry, I'm just ranting. But give me your assessment on where Potter goes from now. Obviously, he's got transfer window open now. He's got a five-year deal. What, is it right that fans are sort of questioning? Is he the right man for the job? I think as fans, we're always entitled to our opinion and we, we should be questioning the manager. But like I said before, I just don't want to see these comparisons to Tuchel and to you know the managers we've had in the past because he's not a Tuchel. He's not a Antonio Conte. He's never won a big trophy in his career, I believe. Um, and I do think, like I said, I do think he's he's a very likable guy. But in football, you, it's, there's more to being a likable person. You have to you know have that winning mentality. And like we've spoken about so much, those comments post-match about the lads gave it their all. We thought, you know, the lads turned He's up today, meme. but we weren't lucky. He's a meme, and he, rightly <laughs> so, as he compared to, to Ole. And I do think it reminds me a lot of the, the Moyes appointment with Manchester United in 2013 after Ferguson. And that didn't end up well. That You know, he got sacked in April, I believe. I do, like I said, I do think that if we sack him, we bring someone else in, it's just going to be a merry-go-round. You know, the, the same cycle we've been going on for God knows how many years, and unable to keep a manager for more than two years. So I do agree with the sports capital. I want to give him at least a summer window. And by giving him that, I expect us to finish maybe seventh or eighth. And then, you know, not qualify for any European football, maybe get conference league if we're lucky. But even I say lucky, I don't want conference league. I'd rather not have it. Yeah. No, and give him, give him the, give him until the summer. But by, by saying that, I also want to see just us play more attractive football something to give me a bit of optimism, a bit of hope that we're heading in the right direction. There is maybe a, a 20, 23, 24 season with Graham Potter to look forward to because right now I'm just not seeing that. The, the games against City, well, we we, want, we haven't scored. We haven't scored against City since the Champions League final in 2021. The game against Nottingham Forest, I think that's, that's one that almost pisses me off more than the City games because we go 1-0 up and then we just invite Forest back into the game. And this is Nottingham Forest. You know, it's not Manchester City. This is Forest, a team that, you know, in the bottom three. And if anything, I was expecting them to score a second after Serge Aurier yeah, scored yeah. the 
the equalizer. So it's just, I, I want to say, let's trust the process back Potter. But by saying that, I want to see something that can keep us Chelsea fans hopeful and um, optimistic that it is the right thing to say. And right now I'm not seeing it. So come maybe March, April, I'd like you to re-ask me that question and I'll give you my opinion then. I mean, I think one thing that's definitely certain is we need an Enzo Fernandez type of player, in my opinion, in this team. I mean, Kai Havertz, all the will in the world, is just not a number nine. He hasn't got the strength to play number nine. He hasn't got the quality. You know, he makes really good runs. But if you could tell me, would I play for Farna, who I saw a glimpse of yesterday and felt he actually done more than Kai Havertz when he came on. Kai Havertz, for me, again... Tell me his best. Tell me his best attributes. Tell me what he does really well. The ones I've just apart from the ones I've named, he doesn't really have any. You know, when was his last game that he played well? Probably Champions League final, Porto. Yeah, it's just, I think he's, not, he's, I just, he's still living he's off that immediate. goal in the final. Yeah. He really is. Yeah, and two, he gives you a three out of five, or he give you, you know, a one out of five. It's very rare he gives you a four or a five out of five. You never get a really good Kai Havertz, but you. Don't think back to when Kai Havertz played back-to-back games and you thought, yeah, we've got a player on our hands there. Or Mason Mount, like the same with Mason Mount. Even Kovacic, you know, I credit him all the time on this channel. I always say Kovacic is one of my, my favourite midfielders. I think he's got that energy. You know, he can pick out a pass. But even recently, since the World Cup, Kai, Mateo Kovacic has just been like, coasting. Hakim Ziyech doesn't want to be here. You know, these players want big, big money, big wages, big contracts. What club's picking them up? Not many. So I agree with everyone that we need to have an overhaul of the squad and we need to change things and adapt the squad. And, you know, I get all of that, but we have to be realistic as well and say that, you know, Todd Bowley signing certain players for six years. That's a long time to, you know, and Potter's on a five-year deal. He's a couple of months into his first year. So I'm just wanting to put it out there and have a balanced sort of viewpoint that yes, I'm all for the process, but we need to see some sort of change from what Tuchel got sacked for, which we haven't. Yes, same squad injuries, I get it. But at least the football has to be worthwhile sacking the previous manager. And that at the moment is where I'm trying to get across to certain Chelsea fans that we're not even seeing anything where you can go, right, yeah, Tuchel was probably part of the problem. Yes, the players are the problem, but you still have to get a tune out of him. And that's the thing that's worrying me that he's not even getting he's not even getting the team to get the ball at the right end of the pitch. And kids, four or five year olds, are being taught that on, on Sunday league pitches across England. And that worries me. So yes, it was Man City, you know, but this is a problem that's beyond Man City, beyond the FA Cup. Um I'm with you. I want to give him time. I want to give him the two windows, but I just, at the moment, I can't see it. And until I see something change, uh, he's not the man for me. He's not, he's just he's not that nice guy. The boys played well. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, Mr. Potter, but not for me. Not until I see any change. I can't, I can't back it. I can't. I've tried to, I've tried to, you know, in WhatsApps and you know, I've spoken to you as well. Mm. I just can't back it. I can't. I watch Chelsea. I support my club and that's it. I don't support managers. I don't support players. I support the club. So thick and thin. So I'll watch the games. I'll try and get to them if I can. Or But managers come and go. Players come and go. I just can't back him. Mm. 
I've, st- I've stunned Theo into silence. <laughs> no, 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 I, I do. I completely agree with everything you've said. I completely agree. Um, I just never thought we'd be kind of talking about wanting a manager out in a way or not backing a yeah, manager. Um, what is it? Yeah. Three or four months after appointing him. It's it's scary, but it just goes to show how shocking the football's been. Even in 2015, 2016, that abysmal season we had, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I don't know, there was some kind of glimmer. I think we made it, you know, in the round of 16 of the Champions League and there was something about it. I think we made it quite far in the FA Cup, but this year there's just, yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing to look forward to. Like you said, first time out of both first rounds of the domestic cups in 35 years or so. Um, Dortmund are probably licking their lips watching Chelsea right now, um, exploiting all our problems, you know, writing it down. And it's, 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 yeah, um, I still, I'm going to stand with what I said. I, I want to kind of revisit this question and maybe March, April, but if I don't see any improvement, like you said, managers come and go and there's a few suitable um, candidates waiting out there, the likes of Poch, Zidane, Luis Enrique, who I think maybe have that bit more experience than, than Graham Potter. But five years, we're only a couple months into his first year. I, I want to stay optimistic, but we've got to see five something years. to give us that hope. I know, I don't like saying it. It's, just, it's, oh, a, it's, a, ludicrous, it's a ludicrous con- contract to get to a manager, especially um, when we see the problems we've had at Chelsea. But I think Bodie's got that track record of you know backing managers in, his, um, in the American franchises he owns. So I think that's maybe why he did it. And um, maybe he even accepted that this, the first season was going to be a bit dire like this. Um, but it's just crazy to think let's accept that we're playing poorly after you've just spent 350 million or so. That's what I just find crazy. Hit the money, hit the nail on the head right there. That is what I'm trying to get across to people. Spent money and we still look worse than we did when Potter wasn't in charge. And that's the worry that we're not even playing. People say some of them are youth players, but Sterling's not. Kukurea's not. Koulibaly's not. They're not not youth players. They're not. The, the chukwemekas of the the new signings, the the players that should fit into a team and be able to do well. And Koulibaly looks worse than Andreas Christensen. I mean, Kukur- he may Kukurella's as well be Titus Bramble. He may as well get yeah. Titus Bramble in the squad now and bring him in because it's, it's, yeah. it's Koulibaly just doesn't look. Oh, Gallagher, another one. He just doesn't. They just don't fill me with joy when I see him on the pitch. And you know, Gallagher's always one tackle away from a yellow card and. He's just, he's got all the intentions of playing well and impressing the manager, but there's ways of doing it. Don't just run around and just do something. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's try and, let's, let's be positive. We've got a game on Thursday. Big game as well. Massive game. Um, I always say this, must win. It is a must win game, but we've got Fulham. Give me your thoughts on that game. And also as well, I mean, obviously the new players have now got squad numbers. Um, one thing I do want to quickly raise, though, is there was talk this morning that Fofana may still go out on loan, which is kind of backing up what you said to me over the weekend. You know, why play him if his intentions is to go on loan? Apparently the reports are this morning that Graham Potter and Todd Bowley will have the final discussions and decisions around Fofana, whether he goes out on loan. So if we are stuck with Patrick Aubameyang, and Kai Havertz going up front. Give me your thoughts about Fulham and who are sitting above us in the league at the moment. Mitrovic seems on fire. Going into that game, it's a must win. Mitrovic is on fire, but I think he's suspended um, for the game, point. which is great for us. But in fact, it doesn't, means, matter. it doesn't even doesn't matter. matter. 
it probably means De- Declan Reed, Willian, Dan James will, will find their goal against us instead. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm a bit confused about the Fafana one. I don't really know if he's he's got a part to play for the next six months or if he'll be sent out on loan. I remember when we signed him, I think it was reported that PSV, Eidenhoven were interested in, um, in, in taking him on loan. But can he be much worse than Havertz and and Aubameyang? I don't think so. So I think we know we need our options, especially with Brogia out for the foreseeable future. I think we do need that third striker. But I don't think we can rely on a 20-year-old who's only played in the Norwegian league to, you know, get us into the top four, you know, push us or mount a bit of a a second part of the season kind of um, bounce. bounce. But I don't think that's the right thing. Going to the Fulham game, like you said, it's a must-win game. It's a West London derby. They're above us. They've got momentum. They've got a brilliant manager. Um, I remember watching them. In, I watched. I went to Craven Cottage for one of their preseason games in the summer against Villarreal, and they were poor. They were really poor. Um, but then it's, I think a lot of their signings have now clicked. I think it's uh, Palinia, their midfielder. Williams playing some brilliant football. Um, their goalkeeper Leno's, you know, having a brilliant, uh, brilliant season after you know being warming the bench last year at uh, at Arsenal. I think they'll be up for it. I think they'll be up for it, and they're probably the favourites going into this fixture. Um, and I think you know, you know, we used to say last year, oh, we don't know which Chelsea will turn up. It could be the one you know that played Real Madrid and had that brilliant game at the Bernabeu, or it could be the one that we're getting thumped by Brentford. Whereas this year, we know what Chelsea is going to turn up. It's the this lacklustre Chelsea that will have seventy percent of the ball but not a single kind of shot on target or not a single kind of, you know, uh, penetration into the box. And I think our XG against City, I think you sent it to me, was zero, 0.1. And then in the first half, it was 0.0. How can you score goals if your XG is that low? I mean, I'm not a stats, you know, stats master or stat man Dave or anything like this, but it's, it's abysmal. It's abysmal. And I think... Um, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not optimistic. I go into Chelsea games now, like with this mentality of, oh, we're going to lose, but let's just hope we we pick up a point or something happens. But that's not all right, you know. That's not right. We we only winning the Champions League a year or two ago. We were in the top four last year. We've got we're still playing Champions League knockout football in February, and now we're expecting to lose against Fulham. It's it's not right. It just doesn't sit well. But I'm expecting a really tough game, nevertheless. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm worried because I think if we lose this, and I think it's it might be it's Crystal Palace and Villa who are sitting below us now. If they win their next two games or their next game, go above us. That means we'll, we'll be I think 13th or 12th in the league. Now, not just the league position, but mentally for the players, for the manager. That's tough when you're sitting in the bottom half of the table. That you had, you know you mentioned earlier around you know potentially getting at best, you know, conference league football, even missing out on that. But I think once you're in the bottom half of the table, there's there's teams down there that are literally fighting to get out of, you know, that bottom half themselves or move away from relegation who will be up for those games. If they see Chelsea down in that bottom half of the table, they'll be up for games. They'll be they'll be thinking this is our time to strike while the iron's hot and, and try and get um you know it, it, yeah get get involved. But um Chris is asking to get involved. I don't know how to do that. Uh, is it a case of me just posting the link in? Not sure. Give it a go. Come and have you say, Chris. The link should be in there now. But yeah, I just think if we lose to Fulham mentally, what does that do to the to the players? What does that do to the manager? 
it's a big game. And, you know, you said Mitrovic is out, but you can bet your bottom dollar, William might just, um, I mean, it's just sod's law, isn't it? So William comes in and, and does does a good job. Um, but yeah, the, the, I'm, I'm just like you now. I think I've checked out for this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping for a win, but I just, you know, the XG, I just don't know where it's going to come from. I really don't. Um, but let, let's quickly ask Chris what his thoughts are. Are you there, Chris? Well, yeah, what's going on, lads? How are we? Not okay, too bad, thanks, Chris. How are you doing? Well, I'm annoyed still because I just I just don't see the direction. And I mean, I'm, we kept getting told that it's a long-term vision, it's a long-term project, but at the same time, you look at the situation at the moment, is that what the players are hiding behind? Is that what Potter's hiding behind? Because what, are we just going to, what, do we just give up now? No, that's not good enough for a for a club like Chelsea. And look, I'm going to be honest. I never wanted Potter at the start. You'll never ever find me saying I wanted Potter in. But I understood that it was going to be a new direction. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure the owners could have appointed a manager with experience at the top level and with the the capabilities of handling pressure. Now, of course, Potter's not ever had a track record of that because if you go seven games winless at Brighton. With all due respect to Brighton, you're not under pressure. You go something. Look at him. Look at it now. Look at well, what one win in ten games at Chelsea, and these people are calling for his head. It's totally different expectations, and you know I seen today a statement saying that the owners are going to give him time, and the owners are going to give him they they are they what is it? They're confident that he can t- turn the club's form around. I'm not. I'm really not. And the players. Look, I'm not just saying it's all Graham Potter, by the way, but I think it's a mixture of, you know, 95% of the players are a joke at Chelsea. Yeah. But at the same time, though, that doesn't excuse the fact that certain managers have came in, like the Tuchels, like the Lampards that had a transfer ban, and still got the best out of the players. And Potter and his backroom team, they are not getting the best out of the players. And Bowley, going forward, he needs to start letting people that know football start making the decisions. It's an absolute shambles, lads, and to be honest, you know, this guy, in my opinion, is going to be given a window and he's going to be given a window, but then I reckon this time next year he's not going to be there and it's just going to be a waste of time. This whole talk about a long-term vision when we need someone now that can handle the the majority of the deadwood we've got and Graham Potter, I don't even think the players are playing for him. I don't think they respect him enough to to turn that around. It's a, it's a shambles. Who, who would you get in, Chris, if, if he gets sat to me? You, know, you mentioned Luis Enrique, Zinedine Zidane, Mauricio Pochettino's out there as well. But, I mean, this is this has to be a long-term project. I just, and I agree with you, I don't think Graham Potter, for me, would have been my first choice appointment at all because he's just not, what's he, pre, what, what, what are we using as a, a benchmark as Graham Potter is the guy to do this job? You know, it's a massive job. You've got to get rid of dead woods. You've got to yeah. bring in new players, get them playing well and still, effectively retain top four status as the club. So who comes in? I mean, who would you bring in? Um, look, I think, you know, in these situations, I think it's more a case of thinking logical. And in this moment in time, if you get a manager in, it's going to be the same situation. So instead of getting a manager in now, uh, you know, let's face it, the season's, shit, the season's done. The season was done in September when we got rid of a world-class manager. So, in my opinion, what I would do, I would keep Potter to the end of the season. I would sack him then 
And then when we get a manager in, my, my choice of manager would be like an Enrique, but then I'm looking at managers like we've had before, as in Conte, and people are going to say he's not a long-term manager, but Conte has been proven that if you back him and you give him money, he's going to get your results. And I don't like how people are judging, are judging his performance at Spurs because, look, let's face it, it was always a big mistake him going there. I'm thinking along the terms of that because, look, I'm all for the long-term vision and I'm all for that. But at the same time, people are saying this, you know, the hiring and firing was a mistake, but it still got us a lot of success. But we had a manager there that was for the long term, and that was Tuchel. That's not going to happen. They're not going to, you know, you know, put their egos to bit to the side and get Tuchel back in. So my opinion, I would get the likes of an Enrique, a Conte, someone along that class who's been at the top, has the experience of handling the egos, and get that done. But uh, I won't put it out now. But it's it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. He's going to be there to the end of the season, and. For me, it's just not good. It's just not good. No, it's not. It's not at all. And I think you know, I echo a lot of what you said there. So um appreciate you jumping on and, and, and giving your views as well. And obviously love the, the display picture there, uh Viali. You, you know, even that as well, lads, as well. I just want to say in that, like I know like is that I know we're in a bad run of form as well now. And you know, that should give the players motivation to get it. Potter to get it right tactically, etc. But even t- even yesterday was the first game since Viali passed, and we couldn't even put in a performance just for that reason. It's a shambles, mate. Exactly. Everything's a shambles. But mate, thanks for having me on. Thanks for you for listening, mate. And yeah, up the chills. Can't wait for the fantastic yeah. season ahead. Woo woo. <laughs> no Cheers, Chris. Chris, thanks, thanks for joining. But um, yeah, I I agree with a lot of what Chris said. You know, um, a lot a lot of good stuff there. But let's get back to Fulham before we wrap up. Let's um, get your predictions in. I don't think, should we even do a prediction? I mean, we could predict and it'd be totally different, but I, 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 rather than a scoreline, I think we just need to see a better performance. We need to see some actual tactical awareness from every single player on that pitch and doing something with the ball instead of backwards, sideways, passing back to Kepa. We need to see something from, from now until the end of the season. And I think predictions... You, know, you could predict until the cows come home, but until we see something in terms of results on the pitch, it's doesn't really matter, does it? We just need to see the performances. Completely agree. Yeah, I mean, it's all good giving predictions, but like I said, if we can't even touch the ball in the opposition's penalty box or or mount something better than a zero xg, then we're not going to get any goals. So if you were to get predictions, it'd probably be something to Fulham and the ball to us. Other, other, get the ball but, in, in the other end. Yeah, I think we should give predictions for shots on target this time instead of scorelines. Yeah. Um, that, that'd be a good start. But yeah, um, it's a must win, like we always say. And I'm worried, um, like you said. Um, you say we've got a game to look forward to on Thursday. I'm not looking forward to watching Chelsea anymore. It's really, and it, it pains me to say that. Um, but like, we just got to hope for the best. And I think once we maybe get one win, it should give us a bit of momentum and confidence to you know get some more wins. Until obviously we get um, our injured players back, um, I think um, Loftus Cheek's back in training. I'm not. I'm thinking I might have seen that Chilwell's back in training as well. I think you know every day that goes by is a day closer to Reese James coming back and being fit if he can stay fit. Um, so yeah, those are some things we have to kind of try to stay optimistic about as well. Not not to end the episodes on a downer, but Christian Pulisic is out for a couple of weeks now as well. So as much as we're getting players back, we're also adding to the injury list at the same time as well, which is a downer. But like you say, let's let's try and stay positive. I've had my second throw possession in one day, um, so I feel a bit better. 
Um, but guys, if you're listening or you listen on the audio version, make sure you hit the link tree link in the description. That will take you to all the social accounts as well. Don't forget to subscribe and smash the likes as well. Um, and again, anyone who's interacted with the channel today, thank you very much for doing so. Theo, as always, thank you very much for joining. Um, positivity from yourself has definitely calmed me down from yesterday. So thank you very much for that. Episode 77 from The Shed End. Until next time, thank you very much for watching and stay safe.